It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen. Welcome to the show and what a show we have in store for you as we wrap up one of the great majors of all time and we preview another. Welcome along former touring pro Mark Allen and Australian golf media manager Martin Blake. Well, let's have a look at this Matt Fitzpatrick. Did you think he was in trouble when he teed off and he hit the bunker on the 18th? Marco? Yeah, the, the fir- nice, nice to see you, mate. The, the first camera view, when it looked like it was in front of the tongue, I thought it's going to have to be clipped to perfection. And I wasn't sure what he could actually get out of that lie. And then, of course, the lie. But once they showed vision uh, from behind the ball, you could see that he could go left of the tongue and then were away. But even so, the ball was above his feet. He was uphill. Both those things make you draw the ball, and he's managed to start the ball just left and cut it back. It, it was one of the – it's going to be replayed mm. more than Sandy Lyle's bunker shot when he won the US Masters. Th- this will end up becoming, I think, a, a more important shot than Sandy's, and, that, and that's saying something. And I reckon you're right too, Tiff, and I'll get your opinion in a second, um, uh, Gazelle. I think it was one of the one of the – one of the most fantastic major tournaments we've seen for a long time. What do you think? You loved it, didn't you, Mark? Yeah, I loved it. I think golf needed it. You know, it needed a a good, strong major with all the best players playing. Uh, Phil Mickelson didn't go so well, but uh, that shot of Matthew Fitzpatrick is it, – it'll go down in the history, I think. Yeah. You know, I heard him speaking about it, and as you just pointed out, Marco, he had to go a little bit left of that knob Tons, of rough yeah. in front of him, uh, which meant that he had to, to cut it up there. 150 metres, 9 iron – uh, you know, I can feel a yeah. masterclass coming on with this. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah stay, stay tuned. Isn't it funny? Two US Open winners in a row, and one of the backstories is that they've both picked up seven, eight, or nine miles per hour with their driver oh, swings. Yes. So yep. Minji Lee did exactly the same thing, uh, and now one of the you know one of the great stories along the way. That, you know, two years ago, he was only averaging 112, which I think the tour average is 114 miles per hour with the driver. And he's gone from 112 to this year's average driver speed to 119. And and to me, the swing doesn't look too much different. It doesn't look like he's wailing away or jumping off his feet like we saw Bryson DeChambeau do. Mm. This looks like a beautifully controlled, purely done in the gym Yes. Uh, to create some extra mileage. And I think... You know, we've seen so many horror stories in the past, um, g'day Ian Baker Finch, of players chasing distance and losing their way or changing their swing and losing their way. David Duval is another one. Uh, he hasn't changed his swing to me at all. He's just built the strength. He's just built core strength and God knows what else he's done to pick up nine, seven miles per hour. And his younger brother, Alex, who who plays golf as well, playing in the uh, in the Irish Open in a couple of weeks, uh, spoke about how hard he works and how hard everything he does behind the scenes. He actually was on his bag nine years ago. So the yeah. great story. The I mean, US you've been amateur. following this. Yeah, the US amateur. So Fitzpatrick wins at the same course, yeah. becomes only the second player behind the great Jack Nicholas to do win the US Open and the amateur at the same course where Nicholas did it at Pebble Beach. Mm. But he spoke so much about the course and the affinity, spoke on Saturday night about how he thought yeah. he was in a great position and that was a major advantage for him. Yeah, there's no doubt some players just feel at home on a particular golf course. You know, Jack Nicholas and Tiger at Augusta and Tiger at Torrey Pines and Tiger at probably at any <laughs> number of golf courses. They, they, they just feel really comfortable. Um, Peter Senior at Huntingdale. Greg Norman at Huntingdale, Peter Lonard, 
Parry. They all they all won multiple times. Brad Hughes felt really comfortable. Sometimes you can just get on the first tee and you just feel this course is made for me. And for whatever reason, uh, this is the fact with Matthew Fitzpatrick. And, you know, you alluded to the fact he, he was billeted, you know. This he, is a great he was, story. He was billeted. Um uh, last week at, at, at this particular home, this time around he made contact with them and said, "Look, I'll bring a cook." And, and, and so he, <laughs> he had brought the chef. The, he brought the chef in, and he, you know, he really looked after the family that looked after him nine years earlier when he won the US. And he slept Amateur. in so the same beautiful. room. Slept in the same room. Slept in the same room. Put the trophy in the same place. Uh, took the photo. Yeah, everything was exactly the same. And I've got to say, I didn't realise until he was speaking um, after. That would have to be the first US Open champion to win with braces on, wouldn't it? I, I can't well, think of it. He's 27. Yeah, I know. But he looks Maybe about no, 17. No one else I can remember actually, you know, winning a major <laughs> with braces. Yeah. Anyway, his teeth, are, his teeth are looking good. I think there's a, an even better story in all of this. Oh, here we that, go. And that is Billy Foster. Yes. Yeah. The caddy. Yeah. Now, Billy Foster is on the forerunner of this, this program a few years ago, um, Inside the Ropes, which – that's how big Billy Foster is. He's one of the most famous caddies in the world, but yeah. it's his first major in forty years. Yeah. And I love that he ah, I love that he, he dipped his cap because it was so emotional and Fitzpatrick went over and hugged him before yeah. he hugged his family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he used to keep Sevy Bellasteros, but got Sevy when Sevy was on the wrong side of the bell curve. He was caddying for Thomas Bjorn when Thomas left it in the trap. What, a couple of times uh, in an open? Maybe once, I don't know. Uh, he was cutting there when Thomas looked like he'd won the tournament. And he was on Lee Westwood's golf bag when Lee had that run, that amazing run of what, finishing top three. Didn't win a major. And, and just didn't quite get over the line. So uh, I was sure Zalatoris's putt was in. I don't know about you guys. Absolutely. But when I, when I saw Matt Fitzpatrick's putt turn, even though it wasn't on the same line, I thought Zalatoris's putt was hit. He was going straight for it. With the right pace. And I thought this would catch an edge and it just didn't move a whisker. I, I think he hit it exactly where he was trying to hit it. Yeah, no he doubt. Thought it, he thought it broke a couple of inches to no the doubt. right, but it didn't break. Uh, Zalatoris, three runner-ups. Yeah. In majors. So if he goes to He's St. Andrews. banging on the door. If he goes to St. Andrews and unfortunately finishes second again, he's, he's already got the grand slam of seconds in <laughs> yes. the majors. Yes. Yeah, that's, 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 that's huge. Now, I think that's a... A bad thing, you know. That net, a scarring uh, thing. Oh, I think that's a scarring thing. So this this is just amazing what golf throws up. You have one second, we go, wow, let's watch this guy. You have two seconds, we go, oh, that's a bit of bad luck. You have three seconds now, and now this is a watch this space moment in the game of golf, and he's just a young man. We've only just heard his name, really. What, he's been around for two years, two and a half years, we've known his name, and if you watch social media, every second goon out there puts his putting stroke on, and and he sees it all. He's you know his putting stroke's got some some funny looking moves. He has a history of uh, being a not great putter. Yeah, Cam uh, Smith. So I wanted to ask you about putting yourself in a position. Masters, he drives into the water and uh, and then just uh, implodes. And now and then he finished what tied for fourteenth. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. And now he was he's in the top fifteen at the PGA, but yeah. he's definitely off the boil. Cam Smith. Yeah, where did uh, where Lucas, did he see Lucas Herbert missed the cut as well, and Jed Morgan missed it by a long, long way. Okay, well look, there's a stat called strokes gained, uh, and it covers driving, irons, putting. The whole lot. And right in front of me here, I've got the strokes gained ladder 
for the first three majors. So Will Zelatoris only. Just majors. So Will Zelatoris is number one. He's plus 40. Then you've got Rory McIlroy. Matt Fitzpatrick is third, uh, six behind Will. Then Scotty Scheffler's at 32. Justin Thomas at 26. Colin Morikawa at uh, 25. Seamus Power is up there, mm. 23. Shane Lowry at 20. And you've got Cameron Smith in that next spot. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So Cameron Smith plays well in majors. But this particular week, it was ugly. His driving was ugly. Um, and, you know, we, we saw some things this week from Cameron that you don't normally associate. Now, I think he's going to bounce back. I, I reckon he's going to go to St Andrews and perform extremely well. I don't think U.S. Open golf suits Cameron. No, it doesn't because yeah. because his weakness is his he's driving. driving. Well, he's yeah. driving. He's hundred and forty second, and his accuracy is one four nine. Yeah, his his weakness is his driving, and you have to keep it in play at the U.S. Open. Now, Mark Leishman and Adam Scott yep. finished in just inside the top fifteen. Uh, Minwoo Lee finished tied twenty seventh, third major in a row that he's yep. made the cut. He's making strides, yep. twenty three years of age. Story, Todd yeah, Sinnott. Yeah, he is amazing. really, he is really coming. Yeah, yeah. See, all, all those guys who made the cut, they, I think they all get an A plus. I, I think sometimes we can gloss over how hard it is to come tied fifteenth in a major. Correct. Mm. Uh, so, uh, as far as I'm concerned, Mark Leishman, Adam Scott, you know, they're experienced players. So I'm just going to give them an A. Minwoo Lee gets an A. Absolutely. Todd Sinner gets an A plus for the limited amount of. Majors golf that he has played. So uh, apart from the guys who missed the cut, and you know it's about like that happens in golf. The guy, our Australian guys, have performed magnificently as far as I can. It's great to see Adam Scott back up there in a major and Mark Leishman. Both of them shot what sixty eight in the last round. Just that's that is brilliant golf. So watch for both those guys at St Andrews. Last time there was a major at St Andrews, I think you'll find Mark Leishman was in a playoff. Got rolled by Zach Janssen. Wow. Yeah. 2015, I Good think. Good one. Yeah, that's right. Before we have a look at the uh, women's major, the KPMG, and we've got a very special cherry pick guest coming up. You touched on Phil Mickelson just before. Oh, yeah. He looks like uh, he's just – he's seen a ghost and he's, he's, a, he's a ghost of himself. Yeah, train wreck. A, a train wreck week for Phil Mickelson. I mean, the, the interviews he was giving beforehand, um, he, his eyes looked dead. He looked resigned to answer every question. Is it Skupnik? Is that the guy's name? Who, who, Shipnuck. Shipnuck. Alan Shipnuck. Alan Shipnuck. He's the reporter who originally uh, released – Wrote the book with him. Yeah, wrote the book with him, but released those uh, terms that he used against the Saudis. Correct. Yeah, and, and that's what got him in trouble in the first place. So Alan was at that press conference and, and got to ask him a few questions. And from that moment – each question, I just felt like he was digging a bigger hole. I mean, I really started. I mean, the guy just picked up $150 million. I was feeling very, very sorry for him. Um, and then he gets on the first tee and, well, he bogeyed almost five of the first seven holes or something. Something crazy. Just didn't look like it. Looked disinterested. He's only got one sticker on him these days. You know, so at, at that level, if you're Phil Mickelson or if you're Dustin Johnson or if you're Adam Scott, if you've got a good manager – it's ten million a sticker. Mm. Mm. Every sticker you see is ten million dollars for for the for the elite Ooh. in this game of golf. So people don't want to touch him. Yeah, uh, no. Uh, well, the only sticker he had on him is his own. It's his own silhouette from winning the Masters, his first Masters that he'd won. So it was it was really hard to watch. And you know, everyone talks about mental health these days. Well, I know he's just picked up one hundred and fifty million, but well, he talked about that in the press watch conference. His face. He talked about. 
playing in the live tournaments is giving him more time to go and do things and address his gambling and spend more time with his yeah. family, etc., and more time doing other things away from the golf course. Yeah, I, I can't believe it's a that, worry, isn't it? Oh, I, I think he was the worst person to pay 150 million dollars at 51, even though he'd won the PGA. This is the interesting. I, I know I don't want to t- go down the track of live golf. What I'm going to find fascinating is if the DP World Tour, if they ban their players, and you know I'm hearing things that it's imminent. If they ban their players, then if you haven't won a major, your world ranking points are gone in two years' time. It's over. Your 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 chance to get in the majors is over, and you're playing 54 hole golf for the rest of your life. Now, I know it's a lot of money to get over there and play, but. That's not what they practice for their whole lives. Mm. I see Adrian, uh, Abraham Anser, former Australian Open winner. He's the latest that I've seen that's uh, told the PGA Tour that he's going across. Uh, Adrian Abraham hasn't won a major in two years, to, and he compete. He plays well in majors. We've seen him up there a number of times. Um, he's not going to get in the World Golf Championships anymore in two years' time. He's not going to get in majors in two years' time if. They follow through with these penalties. It's a, so, short, it's a short-term gain for long-term pain. Yeah. Anyway. Career. Career-ending, potentially. So who do you fancy at the KPMG mm. LPGA Championship? Sorry, it's, it's Women's PGA Championship, I should We've get We've got seven right. Aussies. Yeah. That's a congressional. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Famous Maryland. golf course. So yeah. nice to see uh, these big tournaments played at famous venues. It, it's, it's a long time coming for the girls, yep. and I know they enjoy it because – like the guys, they watched all the majors at these beautiful old-time courses. And now, you know, they can get to say that they've played at St Andrews Absolutely. in the British Open. They've played at Congressional. You know, they, they can they can actually do it. Will we see an Australian lift the cup like Canada did in 2019? Well. Minji. Yeah, look, every, every possibility. But what we saw from Lynn Grant a couple of weeks ago, that was the most stunning women's golf mm. I've ever seen in my life. It was a mixed event. You're not sure what we're across. She beat the guys by nine shots. She beat the girls by 14 shots in a mixed event in Sweden that was run. That That's the best women's golf I've ever seen. Now, I know we talk about Minji Lee and our girls and, and their swings are elite. And what Minji Lee produces on a weekly basis, elite. So I'm hopeful, but gee, if Lynn Grant gets going, uh, she's a train that's going to be hard to stop. What about Steph Kiriakou? Ooh, Sydney, the Sydney superstar. 21-year-old, I love it. I love her, I love her whole attitude. I love her attack on the ball. Uh, just, and we've got her coming up, obviously, uh, for uh, mm. cherry-picked shortly. But just uh, your thoughts on, on her? Uh, I think she, she's only 21, Steph. Um, she's played a couple of majors before. This is her first one in the States. Yeah. Um, I think she's a growing force, yeah. She she shot, I think, 66 or 65 in the first round of an event a couple of weeks ago. Uh, she's just finding her way. She's too good for the European tour. She won twice there. Um, look out for her. So let's just see how she's she's going. After leading that tournament that you're speaking about, now I think it was a 65 is the way 67. I remember. 67. 67. Was it 67? Five, five under. Oh, five under. Yep. There you go. Um, two over in the second round, even part in the third round. Don't even worry about them. Because she's now experienced leading mm. a top flight, an elite world event. And they all are. Any event you get to play in on the LPGA Tour is elite. And waking up with the lead, let alone going to sleep with the lead, um, well, that's deep water that she found herself in. And 
you know, she didn't, she didn't play her best on the weekend, but my goodness, uh, watch out for her because she's clearly, with a couple of wins in Europe and everything else that she's done in the amateurs, and she's going to be a force to reckon with, uh, fingers crossed. Consistency is coming. We'll check in with her mindset and how she feels ahead of Maryland uh, straight after the break. The KPMG Women's PGA Championship is on this week at the famous Congressional Country Club in Marylands. And Steph Kiriakou, the Sydney Cider, now joins us to preview the event. She's one of seven Aussies. Uh, we Thank you so much, Steph. I know it's getting late in the night. Thanks for joining us. No, I'm excited to be here. Now, this is your first US major. How's the build-up to this compared to the Open and the Evan that you've played in previous years? Um, not, not really that different. I mean, it's pretty exciting and it's a pretty big deal. I mean, they treat you like royalty at majors, so it's, it's nice to be here. Um, yeah, first US major, the course is unbelievable, actually. It's, it plays a lot harder than the normal events, which you would expect, Mm. but yeah, it's just really exciting, the amount of effort and everything that goes into it. How how long does it, is the course playing? I've got no idea. <laughs> I think it's just under – I think it's like 6,900 yards or something. It's like it's pretty long. It's pretty long. And uh, tell, tell us about the week. I think you just came from dinner with a few Aussies. Is that right? I was actually going to ask yeah. you about that whole teamwork thing. Mm. And uh, I think you had some di- dinner with some Aussies tonight. Yeah. Well, Kari's got the scholarship girls here, so she organised it. And, yeah, it was just – Dinner with all the Aussie girls, Minji, Greenie, Kempi, Sarah Jane. Yeah, it was a big group of us and it was nice. And Kempi's actually got a coach, Johnny, here and he brought some Tim Tams. So oh, that was oh, a nice. little treat at the end. Did you do a Tim yeah. Tam skull or just uh, nibble away? No, just nibble away. <laughs> how, how much does that um, help to calm the nerves and, you know, creating that home environment where you're around your, your, your fellow players and obviously Kari being there as well. Yeah, it's great. I mean, Australia is so far away and there's not many Australians out here. So to have, even if it's dinner like that, like once a month, it's it's so nice. And I mean, I don't go home very often. So I haven't been home for like three months. So yeah, something as small as that just like changes your mood. It's great. You just touched on Caitlin Pierce and Kirsten Rudgley, who are two amateurs who are the Kari Webb Scholarship holders for this year, and they're going to spend the week with Kari, watching the golf, uh, hanging with you guys and, and, and watching that stuff. I wanted to ask you, Steph, about your relationship with Kari, because I think it was fairly recent that you kind of came together a bit. And, uh, you know, she, I, 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 I've heard that she is helping you a bit. Is that true? And, and how good is that? Yeah, so I didn't really know Kari... When I was an amateur, you know, she was Kari Webb and I was just <laughs> I was just me. And then I came out on tour and she was, yeah, she's been such a great help. I mean, you just ask her little things and she gives you like as much information as she, as she knows. And uh, I haven't had a great start to my season and she's just like kind of given me a few tips mentally that I've been trying and has been working. So, I mean... Yeah, she goes out of her way to help us, which is so good, so grateful. It must be so important. I think you've been hanging a bit at the Australian Golf House as well. Um, you know, do you, I, I presume at the moment you don't have a house in America. You, I don't even know if you've got a car. I mean, how, what are your sort of living arrangements at the moment? Do you sort of go from hotel to hotel and, and play? Yeah, well, 
yeah, pretty much. And then in my off weeks, I this was my first time going to the Orlando house and, yeah, it's so good. It's just so good to be around Aussies and just have that environment, like, away from home. I mean, the house is great. It's on a lake. It's so peaceful, so relaxing. Like, you've got everything you need around it. It's And it's just good. I mean, Luke, the guy that lives there. Luke Mackey? Yeah. Yeah, not, not a bad host either. So <laughs> that's don't say too many nice things about him. He get a big head. He had a great, great rats yeah. on on Luke. Going back to a couple of weeks ago, you shot five under um, your opening round, which is amazing. And I think you had a chat with Kari before that um, that tournament kicked off in the in the practice uh, time. So what did she what what did she actually give you? Like what tips of advice? I think you asked her about how to handle the pressure and and the nerves. Yeah, because I. Before that, I missed a couple cuts in a row and I was just kind of getting a bit anxious over, like, you know, them short putts you're expected to make. And Kari just basically told me the stats and, like, what I was doing was, like, not bad. And she just told me to, like, be realistic. And then she gave me a tip, like, if I do get anxious during, like, putts, just to kind of close my eyes and just try listen for birds. And, like, it sounds, like, ridiculous. Like, when she told me, I was like, are you serious? Like, is that is that all I'm going to Kumbaya. Yeah. And I've never heard that it. one before. It's actually brilliant. Like, it's genius. Like, and then straight after I had that round, I just went up to her and I was like, you do know what you're talking about, don't you? <laughs> the <laughs> secrets of Kari Webb. <laughs> And the, I think the con- the consistency in your game, you, you fell away. I think you finished uh, 25th. Um, but being able to put it together, you showed that you could do it getting your card, your tour card. So LPGA, the tour school, you had to go through eight grueling rounds. So you know how to do that. You know how to back it up. Um, what did you take from that that you're going to try and apply coming into the, uh, the KPMG? Yeah, I mean, that first round I kind of just did everything right and then – I mean, it was the first time I've been in contention on the LPGA, so I got nervous again, and which is silly now that I think of it. But, you know, you just kind of learn that you got to take each shot as it goes, and that's definitely something you need to do out here. Very patient, and you need to be very accepting that you're going to make some mistakes. Like, the greens are ridiculous. Like, they're, they're quick. Like, you need to be in the right spot this week, and you might not always be in the right spot and it's just going to be about patience and acceptance this week. So I guess that's what I'm going to try to do. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about a comparison between the European Tour and the LPGA. So you had two years in Europe, you're a dominant player already in those two years. Um, I presume it is another level. And I remember a few of the women who play LPGA saying to me, uh, you know, in recent years, that the LPGA is not quite as friendly and social as the LET, the European Tour. What's what's it been like that adjustment? Um, well, yeah, I found the LET to be there was more like of little groups, and everyone had their own friendship group. Whereas out here, I mean, pretty much except for the Aussies, it's almost like every man for themselves. Like it's more competitive, which is very understandable and. The only difference I think out here is, or not the only difference, but the main difference is there's a lot more um, girls out here that can win, if that makes sense. Not in a bad way, but like if I shot even par, I might be 
top 20 in LAT, mm. but here I'm like 60th. How do you handle that? How do you handle that, I suppose, extra aggression or, or you know, la- lack of um, friendliness and understanding where it's coming from? But when, when you're, a, you're a sort of happy-go-lucky and a gregarious type of personality. Yeah, I mean, you don't really need too many friends, I don't, I don't think, personally. I mean, as long as you have two or three close mates, which I do out here, then, yeah, I'm, I'm set. <laughs> so that, that wasn't. That wasn't, it was just different. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a hard adjustment. It was just different, which is all. But what about the financial side? I was looking at it, I think last year you run one roughly 400,000 Australian dollars, and you, I think you're sitting at about 50,000 Aussie at the moment, maybe even under that. How do you, how do you um, manage that, manage your, your expenses, and, you know, and manage just how much it costs to, to play at the top? Yeah, I mean, the U.S. is quite expensive. I mean, there's little tricks like joining Marriott. Like I join Marriott and then I can like get upgrades and stuff. But, I mean, if I, if I have one good week, like let's say I have a top 10 this week, I'm pretty much like set for the year and don't have to stress about it. Mm. Like it's that's what it is out here, one good week and you're you're good. But as soon as you kind of start to think about money, then it. Then of course there's other problems like with your mental game, but I try not to think about it. I mean, yeah, it's, and it's well, we won't ask you any more questions about it then. <laughs> um, <laughs> Minji and Hannah, you've got obviously you know two greats who are who are leading the way, and and Hannah, Hannah, we know won this in 2019. What are you taking from their game and their performances in the last six months, really? Yeah, I mean they've both been playing really good, obviously, but unfortunately I haven't had a chance to play with them in competition mode so I don't actually haven't actually seen how they play but I know both their mental game is pretty strong I've spoken to Greeny a little bit but honestly we don't really talk much about golf which might be surprising but yeah it's pretty inspirational seeing them do well seeing Aussies do well so yeah do you feel comfortable out there already or is that still a work in, in progress because there's some pretty damn good players out there? Yeah, I think I think it's taken me a bit longer than I thought, but I think yeah, I don't know I don't know how long it would take for, to completely settle in. I still get nervous like every first round I play, so I don't know if that'll ever go away to be honest, but yeah, I don't know if I'm quite settled in yet, but I'm definitely getting there, which is nice. <laughs> and are you making changes at all to your to your swing? Because I know that you, you had Gary Barter as your coach for quite a long time in Sydney, and now you've switched over to Grant Waite, who also coaches uh, Gabby Ruffles as a Kiwi. Um, is he changing anything up, or are you just consolidating? Yeah, so, so the, the first part of the year I didn't have a coach, and then I started working with Grant about a month ago, and... There wasn't many big changes. It was. It definitely felt different, but it didn't feel weird. So it was kind of just trying to get that different to feel normal, um, which I'm still working on, and it's kind of hard to work when you have tournaments to play. But it's definitely getting better. I mean, I've been playing better golf. I know it's only been two tournaments, but I've played better these two tournaments than I have at the start of the year. So it's it's looking good expectations for this week i don't know i don't really have many i've set goals and i just want to be able to tick off those goals and then whatever happens happens is kind of how i look at it (laughs) 
can you can you share a goal, a big one with us? Yeah, mine's more mental. I want to be able to just, like I said before, like accept that, you know, I might make a bogey here and there and not let it get to me because as soon as that happens and it could just, especially this course, it could just go downhill from there. So that's it's a really little goal, but to me that'll make a difference. And Steph, your dad, Nick, um, who introduced you to golf as long, along with your older sister, um, he travelled with you a lot when you were in Europe and caddied for you. Has, uh, has your family been over, been able to come over at all? And I, I just wonder how uh, difficult that part is just to, you know, be separated from friends back in Australia and also your family. Is that Has that been uh, tricky to get through? Yeah, Dad came over for three weeks and my boyfriend came over for a week, so that was nice. But to be honest, I feel quite mature and quite, like, independent travelling on my own. <laughs> I, do, I do miss them, but I also feel independent and cool to be able to travel on my own. Well, I guess you had to grow up quickly, yeah, didn't you, as a, as a pro golfer? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Well, it's been a, a great... 21st year for you and uh, you know you're about to tee up at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship which is uh, such an amazing uh, experience that you've been able to achieve already so we wish you all the very best and the other six Aussies alongside you and um, and maybe we'll be checking in with you next week. Beautiful thank you. <laughs> Keep listening to those birds Steph. Yeah, yeah I will great tip. All right, all the best. And coming up next, we've got all the news from Around the Traps. Now it's time to check in with all the news Around the Traps with Dane Heverin, Australian golf writer. Dane, I can't believe this. We've still got four months to go on the PGA Tour, yet already world number one Scotty Scheffler has won more money than every any other player in a season. Yeah, he's won $12.8 million on the PGA Tour already, which is unbelievable. This season. In for the season, there's <laughs> so much more golf to be played. There's majors, there's a major, and a FedEx Cup uh, championship still to be played. Yes. So if he ends up winning the FedEx Cup, I think they've just put that to 18 million is the first prize. You take that home. Well, he wasn't far away last weekend at the US Open, really. You know, no. He's only a shot out of it, tied second. He's extremely consistent. And what gets me is when he got to number one in the world, everyone said, who's this guy? And now we did. Now everyone's <laughs> saying, well, how good is this guy? Yeah, I, I, I was on that boat. Yeah, I was going, who on earth is this fella and how long is he going to be number one, three or four weeks? And he's just excelled since reaching world number one. So amazing to watch this guy. Hey, Dane, uh, speaking of who is this guy, what about Aldrich Potgaita? Yes. Tell us uh, a bit about him. <laughs> he won the British Amateur on the weekend. And so he's a South African, plays on the South African flag, but has lived most of his life in Australia. Oh, is that right? Yes. Yep. Whereabouts? In, in Perth. So oh, Another okay. Perth product. Uh, yeah, just churning him out over yep. there. But So his family just moved back to South Africa last year. So he actually came second in the Oz Junior two years ago. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we, had a, we had 15 players over there in the British Ab. You can count him as another. I, I think we can probably claim a winner there as Absolutely. well. Okay. We Did he knock any of our guys out along the way? I hope not. No, he didn't actually. But apparently Connor McKinney was um, following him around the whole time during the finals and they're quite good mates. And um, he actually even plays with a Golf Australia yardage book. So. Oh, oh, incredible. Love oh, that's it. great. I know Max Charles was our best finisher there. So yeah. congratulations to him as well. Uh, it's a mighty effort to get to the quarterfinals of what we used to call a major. Kingston Heath member? 
Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, and originally Heidelberg, I think. Yeah, that's right. And he's been it, over to the states. Yeah, it's yeah. a good story. So he, he got into the Victorian Junior State Team, but missed out on the senior team. And I've, I've, I know the family, and I tried to get him into my old college, Texas Tech, but Texas Tech became too good. Then he went. We got him a scholarship down the road at Midland College. It's a junior college, but you only get two years at a junior college, not four. Mm. But he played well enough at the junior college for Boise State to come knocking at the door, and then he started winning events. So he's just doing incredibly well. There's a guy called Hugo Townsend, who's one of the best amateurs in the world who plays at Boise State with him, and he says that playing alongside Hugo has taught him so much. Mm. And... You know, there are different ways of, of trying to get to the top. This doesn't mean he's going to get to the top, but I'm just really happy for Max Charles and everything he's achieved. It's been great to watch. Yeah, awesome. Hey, another one, great to watch. Grace Kim. She's second at the moment on the Epsom Tour and top 10 gets uh, a card straight into the LPGA. Yeah, it seems like we're just talking about Grace Kim every week at the moment. Yeah. She's playing so well. So, yeah, so she came tied fourth at the Ann Arbor Road to the LPGA. And yeah, she shot even par in the last round, was a chance to go close going into it, but, you know, tied for this fantastic result. And Gabby Ruffles as well, playing sensational. She finished tied eighth, had a hole in one. Oh. Did she? Uh, yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah, she shot four under in the last round to surge into the top ten. So she's playing really good golf too. Yeah, you know, when you watch people's body language and you go, I like that person, I like the – that's for me, Grace Kim. Mm. Grace Kim to me – She has a sunny personality. She does. Yeah. But it just – her disposition – is that the right way to say it? Yep. This, Correct. The, the yeah. way she gets around, I look at her and go, you you are heading to the top of this you know, game. You, you are heading to the top of what you do. She's just magnetic almost, you know. Golf yeah, Australia are, rookie squad member, don't forget. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, beautiful putter. Yeah. And she certainly doesn't tee up to the side. No, she doesn't. She's right behind as well. But you, you, you watch you watch other people and you go, yeah, look, you're a fantastic player, but I wonder about you. But I've got no doubt whatsoever, Grace Kim is going to get to the top of the tree. Tiff, I, uh, I, I was practice. I played last weekend at my club and I stepped in to have a practice swing beside the ball and all I could think of was Marco. You are not you a player. You've got, you to, can't you've play. got to have your practice swing behind the does ball. It, now, does it feel better? It when does. you go that way, it's it, good. It's yeah. good. Yeah. It's much. Did better. anyone make any comments? <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. Isn't it? Look, it's amazing how it got in my head. Because I was brought up in golf. I was taught that when I was twelve. And Stand just behind become, the ball. Yeah, just practicing. Well, that's what side to tee the ball up from. Which is, if you're not listening, from behind the ball. Tee it up behind. You tee it up behind the ball. So you look up and you walk backwards, and it all just falls in the ball. If you don't know what we're mm. talking about, you have to mm. go back and go have back a listen. to last week's episode. Yeah. Yeah, I did the exact same thing when I played on yes. Sunday. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But just lastly, um, Whitney Hillier came fifth on the Ladies European Tour wow. this weekend as well. That's She's great. putting together a really consistent season. Hey, I've got uh, I've got a great little story. How's this one? So a guy called Stuart Gray from Queensland, uh, he's come up with this idea. His son, Connor, is uh, suffering a, a terminal illness, which is obviously horrendous. And he's he's turned it around and making a positive out of it. And he's come up with a tournament where every anim- amateur or club golfer gets a chance to play their way to the 2023 Masters in basically just four rounds of golf. Pretty Great amazing. Idea. So And raising money. As a spectator, yeah, we, yeah, we should add. Yep, yeah. as a spectator. And every uh, every person who enters, $5 from the entry fee goes towards raising money for this great cause of obviously cancer. So we're going to um, have a chat with Stuart Gray right now. G'day, Stuart. Uh, can you tell us about Connor's Amateur Series? It's a nationwide golf tournament, uh, best gross and best stableford competition. 
bit unlike the previous comps that have gone nationwide, where the, the best gross, first, second and third, and the best Dalford, first, second and third, move on to the next round. It takes four rounds to win it all. On the four, After four rounds, you'll have a national champion and they win a trip to the Masters, both Gross and Stableford. Second and third, they're off to Queenstown for the New Zealand Open. How hard is it to get a ticket to the most Masters, sure? Well, you have to have friends in the right places, <laughs> I would have to tell you. Uh, but no, they've been arranged and assured through a golf travel agency. And you, uh, you mentioned you haven't mentioned yet that that your son Connor, who's who's got a, a uh, well, it's a it's a really bad illness, a, a cancer. I'm not sure. It's a yeah, rare form yeah. of cancer, I think. So yeah, it relates yeah. to to him, yeah. and you can raise some money for his treatment. Is that correct? Yes. Well, the idea is um, Connor's basically has incurable cancer. He was diagnosed with it at 21. Um, and the tournament was originally called the Amateur Series, and on his 22nd birthday, which we didn't think he'd get to, um, I changed the name and gave it to him for his mm. birthday. So Connor uh, is unlikely to see his 23rd birthday, unfortunately. He may do with some luck, um, but he's very unwell. What does he think of it, and, Stuart? Uh, well, he, we, he loves the idea that it'll be – he wants to – his choice was what we're going to do with the tournament. He says, let's raise money for child cancer research. So that's what we're doing. There'll be $5 for every player that plays in the tournament, and we're hoping to have 100,000 players if possible nationwide, and that is going to child cancer research. Um, also, we, we give the golf clubs a, a portion of what we make to, to cover their normal green fees that they have on normal competition day. But we're hoping to raise a million dollars over the next couple of years, and Connor's legacy will be the amateur series uh, that will continually raise money to save other kids that, Unfortunately, it's unlikely he will be saved, but hopefully he can save as many kids as possible. Stuart, I, I bet you get there because what you're offering as a prize, um, you know, there'd be a lot of nervous golfers standing on the first tee. I mean, the Masters does it, the people, and, you know, the other ones, <laughs> the trip away. But there's also, you know, there's so much goodwill in golf. And I've been to lots of these, these golf days. And when there is a, a beautiful course, and this one is, um, they're just happy places to be. Uh, are you finding that with your tournaments? Yes, we've found that everybody are, is happy to support child cancer research. It's 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 dear to everybody's heart. Everybody has a friend who has a child who is either Ill, Ill with the disease or has passed on from the disease. It's it's just horrible. We just can't. And we're using um, we're donating to a company called or a foundation called Australian Cancer Research. And foundation, and they offer money or give grants to all the various child cancer research. Um, I don't know what they're called, yep. foundations or societies or how they're around Australia. They've given away millions to them, and uh, with their their goal is zero childhood mm. cancer. That's their goal, enormous goal. But if if they can do it, it would be wonderful. Hey, can you tell us, Stuart, how can people find out more about? I believe you've got a Facebook page, Connor's Amateur Series Facebook page, and and, and where else can they can That's they find true. out more information? Well, they can contact me via email on Stuart S T U A R T at Series dot com, and Connor's is C O N O R S, only one N. <laughs> or they can call me or text me on o four o six. 071761. Stuart, 
thank you so much and uh, send our best, obviously, to Connor, but all the best for, for this tournament and, and for the years that follow because, as uh, Marco said, it's no doubt you'll, you'll raise a million dollars and more beyond. Um, it's a great cause and uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show and, and telling us about it. Thank you very much for your time. All the best to Stuart and, uh, and Connor's Amateur Series. And coming up next, we've got Marco's Masterclass. Now it's time to listen in because you might just learn something that will take your game to the next level with Marco's Masterclass. And you've got a little tip on how to get out of a fairway trap. Yeah, well, we saw Matt Fitzpatrick do it on the 72nd hole. The shot's going to be shown uh, in US Open history for a long, long, long period of time. It was beautiful to watch. You hear all kinds of different stories about getting out of bunkers. Uh, and I'm not talking about the greenside ones, we're talking about the fairway ones, you hear about hitting down, you hear about hitting up, you hear about doing all kinds of stuff. Um, the only time you hit down in a fairway bunker is, it's the same as if, if it's in a divot, if, if the ball is sitting low. But what I always find is it's much easier to hit out of a fairway bunker when they're firm. And that is because your feet don't move around. When you've got soft sand, your feet move around and it's very, very difficult to actually make clean contact when your base is all over the place. So that's kind of a key to what we're trying to do. On the backswing, if your feet move too much, then you're almost certainly cooked before you start. You're just not going to make the clean contact. You're either going to hit it fat and the ball won't get to the green or you'll hit it thin and just like John Rahm did the day before, you'll hit it into the lip of the trap. So what I do... And everyone's a little bit different. But what I do, I only use 80% effort in my backswing. So you can have a backswing with 100% effort, whatever you normally do. But if you just try and have 80% effort in the backswing, then quite often that just steadies everything up. And there are less forces on the feet. The other thing that's really, really important is to not have busy hands through the hitting area. You want the hands to almost be dead. And what I try to do to create that sensation is hit a baby fade. So I'm not trying to release the club as much as I normally would. So two things that make it really, really easy to hit fairway traps. Feet don't move and hitting baby fade. So just try and make your backswing at 80% effort and then try and hit a baby fade and just watch what happens. A couple did. of questions. Do you do you bury your feet down into the bunker like you would for a green side? Very good question. If you walk in and you can feel like it's firm sand, you don't have to. But if you walk into the fairway trap and it's soft sand, then yes, and then you grip down the club to make up for it yeah. because your feet will go down and under. And do you add a club to your normal yardage? No. No, I no? no, I don't because I think, especially with the short irons, with the short irons, if you hit it a little bit thin, I always feel like they go further. Uh, so it's different. For a long iron, yes, I do add an extra club. But for short irons, like we saw Matt Fitz, Fitzpatrick play. 150 metres, nine iron. If you hit it a little bit thin, quite often it'll go further or just the same. It might stop the same, but it will go the same. So they're all different situations. But Really, the 80% effort on the backswing, just keep that in your head next time you're in a fairway trap. We go. can watch that on the Twitter account. Absolutely. A bucket of balls, go down to the bunker and see how you go. go this week. All, All right, you go. catch you guys next week. See you guys.